Hello and welcome to another episode of, I'm going to say it right this time, Two Irish Guys Discussing Software. This is episode 19. My name is Tommaso Leary. I'm joined, as always, by my good pal and work colleague, Brendan. Brendan Walsh, how are you? I'm very good. Good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you're listening from. Listening from, yeah. Yeah, good to see you, good to see you. So we have... A very interesting uh, podcast today. Um, it's been a month since we last spoke to everybody. And this time we're going to look at the law and where the law meets the software world and the mega vendors. Mm-hmm. Um, one could argue that the law should be doing a lot more. Uh, but we have a really special guest. Pam Fulmer will be joining us in uh, about 15, 20 minutes time to tell us about her experiences. And Pam is the co-founder of the Tactical Law Group, and she has a lot of experience Mm. with these mega vendors, and uh, particularly around intellectual property rights, commercial disputes, licensing disputes. Uh, I'd say they generate lots of opportunity. (laughs) I'd say so. I'd say audit comes in there, and she has quite a bit of experience in audit. So we'll come to Pam shortly, but again, yeah, we're now start of December. There's a vaccine. Mm, the vaccines. So apparently, there's two hundred on the way. Loads of them. <laughs> I, what does it mean? Are we are we gonna be back on the road? Well, I, I really hope so. Yeah, we've got to be travel. Ryanair just bought yeah. seventy five airplanes today. Yeah, yeah. Boeing, uh, the Boeing plane that was taken off the the, the out of the sky, the, the Air Max, the yeah. Air Max. Yeah. yeah, so they just bought. 75 with more there's over 200 of them yeah, I might let them fly for a little while <laughs> <laughs> might stick to a Boeing 7737 but yeah it looks like uh, a couple of vaccines out there they're going to be start issuing them in the UK I think um, almost next week you know yeah. so which is crazy to think about uh, I mean the vaccine has only only been in development talk about development cycles normally takes 10 years to develop a vaccine and test it and get it approved but you know, you can you can uh, you can do it in eleven months. It appears when when you put your mind to it, um, and and multiple companies at the same time. So it's pretty crazy. And uh, well, yeah, and it's uh, the Brits are out first. Fair play to them. Uh, I wonder how much of that is political. But yeah, I, you know, I I was at home the other day, and I uh, was it two days ago. Mm-hmm. I got my you know my wife Leona. She says to yeah. me, uh, "When are you going to travel again?" <laughs> now Loaded. I don't think it was a question that went. Oh, I'm just curious to know when you're traveling. I think it was a very quite a loaded question. Was pl- I think it under, underneath it she meant please travel. <laughs> yeah. Lockdown has been. Listen, it's had its good moments and it's had its tricky moments. But I, in this particular day, a couple yeah. of days ago, I was definitely getting the boot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when you when you go, my daughter then goes to me. When you, when are you going to America? Yeah. Oh, I get that all the time. Because uh, and when you go, can you bring me back X Y Z cosmetics? You know that we can't get. Oh, I didn't get that. I just yeah. said, would you just go? Yeah. I got to just go, just just go. And will you will you go, will you go now, please? So I, I think know. I had one of those moments yesterday, but I won't talk about it. But mm. yeah, it's it's being in the house a lot, which your which your nearest and dearest is great, um, but it has its limitations. But we 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 now we're now, we're now open again here in, in Ireland. We're we're yeah. way open again. Yeah, it's we're, like we're in level three dot. Three or something. The restaurants and bars are open on Friday. Yeah, Friday, yeah. Uh, the bar was open the other day. I, I noticed you haven't availed of... No, I haven't. Done, and before your wife sends me a WhatsApp saying, when am I going to get my hair cut as she did before, uh, I have one booked. 
have it booked for Friday morning first thing. Oh, good man, yeah, man, because okay. uh, we have a big meet. You know, we have our town hall on Friday in work, and I can't be looking as <laughs> dishevelled. I'm glad. I'm glad <laughs> this is a podcast. Yeah. I'm glad this is a podcast. We yeah. we listen. We've had there's been there's been load of news. There's been mm. too much news to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, it has uh, been a busy news we, season. We've had interesting things. We've had wow. We've had Elon Musk. Passing out Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. That's about the that's about the yeah. the worst story you could find on Microsoft. Actually, there wasn't a Microsoft story that you hear about. Microsoft yeah. are tracking us. They have these analytics. Oh, I don't know if you get them. Uh, as Microsoft, we use Microsoft obviously in the work. And I, every day now I get this. Oh, here is your performance. Oh yeah. I'm going. What? You know. And so so I was thinking of this thing recently. Who turned going, that on? Because I well, saw I it the other day, and I, I just keep deleting it. And then I was meaning to, de- to tell our security guy to say. You know, is this a cyber attack? But actually, that's the thing. Is it's it? called a productivity score. Yeah. And there's people now saying this is like surveillance. Why should be telling me to my, me go to sleep? You know, you can log like, off or something. But it's like, uh, what, 1984 or, or Brave New World or something. We're, yeah. we're, we're, we're getting surveillance by the, the technology. You have to turn that baby off, I think. I think so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like them knowing too much. And we've had oh, our, our old story, TikTok. Uh, you know, remember Larry yeah, TikTok? Yeah. It looks like that's it's not happened yet, but there's extensions been... on extensions. It's a bit like Brexit. It you know comes to the end, and there might be another extension. But another what is it? A five day extension on the back of the last two week extension? Ah, who knows? Uh, listen, I think they just right. got to keep keep giving extensions. And they're also in the courts. They're fighting it in their courts as well. They're trying to fight the ban. So maybe we can talk about that a bit later on. Oh yeah, well maybe Pam might have a view on that. Actually, yeah, yeah that would yeah. be anything that's in the courts. I'd say she does. I'm no doubt. Um, we certainly had, oh, speaking of in the dock, we had uh, Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg back mm. in the dock mm. with the uh, the Judiciary Committee around the, the, the recent election. I mean, obviously, we had the recent election in the United States since we last mm. spoke um, on this topic uh, around misinformation. So I guess they've been, they must know, well, they've been Zooming or Teamsing or whatever they do yeah, yeah. to get into, probably not Zoom or Team, actually, whatever, whatever technology they use, they've been linking in with the... Uh, uh, I actually can't even use that. I can't. I don't know what terminology. <laughs> they're in there virtually. Yeah, yeah. So uh, they're there. Uh, but I'd say they're sick and tired of going to Washington in, in, in whatever. Would you get any work done? You know. Ah, unbelievable. Oh, we had some good news here in Europe. We mm-hmm. had the uh, European Parliament have endorsed the right to repair. Oh, very uh, good. Yes, yes. First time. That was a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, we're making some good progress on that you here in Europe. You've a lot Europe. of uh, work on that area? Yeah, with, the, with Free ICT Europe. Yeah, it's been great. I mean, no, we're not the only people involved mm-hmm. in that. No, but sure. It's, yeah, yeah, but it's it's uh, it's more consumer-orientated, but it's setting the, the kind of standards mm-hmm. now for our business and uh, extending those rights. So we got to get them into the software world mm-hmm. and... Get them focused on some of some of the things like audit, but yeah. So no, it's been really interesting. Uh, I believe there's been results, always results, but this is kind of like we're getting yeah. into results season, aren't we? Yeah, there's a couple of results. It's kind of it's kind of funny because there's a, f- a couple of companies that have results at the end of October, which we now know about in the last few days, which you could talk about later on. It depends on the on, on which company there is, but uh, yeah, there's been quite a there's been a few results. There's been a bit of a few updates since the last podcast. I mean, the best place to start is probably with. Our number one friend and foe, uh, IBM. Oh, yeah. Uh, we love IBM, as everybody knows and who listens to this podcast. But so just taking us back to episode 18, because this is 19, and we had a very interesting podcast. Oh, yeah, the big story. The big story. Well, we had Rowan O'Donoghue and Christian Fellini uh, on talking about security the last day. And at the end of, during that podcast, we had IBM's Q3 results. Yeah. So just to give a bit everybody who didn't listen to episode 18 yet, 
This is a new thing now. Yeah. This is great. A summary. Yeah. A summary. But you'll recall a few things. The revenue was down year on year. You know, yeah. uh, we had the GTS division was down. They had a, their third quarter of declining revenue at the time. Uh, not dissimilar to Q3 2019 when they were in their fifth quarter of declining revenue. Just giving you some context for what I'm going to say next. And they were announcing, which was the big news of the day in the laptop, they were selling off their GTS division predominantly into Nuco and IBM was moving forward do as, we have I, a, as IBM. Do we have a name? No, Nuco. Not, oh. not yet. Right. But, but in the build-up to giving themselves a new name, of course, what they have to do is they don't have to resource action people. Um, <laughs> resource. Yeah, you love well, that. I think, they've, I think they resource they action new, people. They have a new name. They have a consultation process, I think is what it's called now. Oh. But, but hey, basically, guys. it's not good news. I know we're making fun of it a little bit, but... Uh, up yeah, to 10,000 people, 10,000 employees in Europe. I heard that, yeah. Laid off, yeah, which is huge, actually. It's it's like it's one in five. Yeah, because uh, they, they've already shrunk their... I mean, 10,000 people to IBM here in Europe or even in the US mm. would have been maybe less than 10% of the yeah, employee base. might have been such a big deal, but it's one, it's one fifth. Yeah, of it's crazy. Pop, yeah, which is... And, in, in, you know, close to home in the UK and Ireland, it could be up to 2,000 2, positions, uh, maybe 2,300 positions in Germany. But it's everywhere. It's across Northern Europe, Italy, UK, France. So, yeah, and and, and it's... Uh, so that's within the GTS division, which is going to be part of Nuco because they need to slim it down and, you know... They're... Who's going to be left? I mean, well, there's nobody... Who there it was no certainly nobody who was there ten or fifteen years ago were talking about. You I know, mean, all all they talk about is is you know the reskilling, uh, basically the reskilling anybody who's under the age of forty because you know we've we've had previous uh, discussion this this program about ageism and and uh, you know the over forties being targeted for layoffs etc because yeah. they want younger people who they want to train they don't want to train necessarily older people. Uh, or so it's reported, but but yeah, so that's so big news. So I mean, not surprising on the back of the results of last quarter, we're seeing these layoffs. And then you know they did say last quarter that they were going to free up cash to buy new companies. So yeah, what's going on there? Well, I did hear they bought a company. It didn't I couldn't find any massive news on it. Mm. I saw a news feed on IBM's website called a company called Instana. They bought a company called right. Instana. It looks like it does performance monitoring for Watson. You know, right. you know Watson does the uh, you know does the, the Jeopardy uh, yeah. quiz. Yeah. So uh, somebody's to monitor what Watson's up to. Um, it's all about AI. I, I thought I thought yeah. IBM had lots of monitoring lots tools. Of monitoring tools. Yeah. So, Tivoli monitoring, yeah. Netcool monitoring, performance management, all these tools. Yeah, they've got loads. It's of, another one. Another one. Yeah. yeah. So it's 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 typical IBM. So what else has been happening? Any of the other guys? Yeah. Big guys been doing anything? Yeah. Well, there has been a few interesting uh, announcements. Uh, so let's look at some of the bigger guys. So Salesforce. So oh, some, yeah. some big news here. But they're I'll in start. The news. Yeah. They're in the news. But let me start with the results because that's kind of a a lead into what they were doing on the acquisition front. But yeah, the actual results were, weren't uh, too bad. They, you know, 5.4 billion or something like that for the quarter. And uh, the revenue grew 20% year on year. Compares last quarter with a 29% increase. And everything's up. Their cloud product, which is, you know, their the, the typical Salesforce product, keeping track of customers and so on. That, that delivered 1.3 billion in revenue. That's up 12%. Which you would expect with, yeah. with, you know, everybody moving to cloud versions of of, of operating environments and software with, with uh, working from home. Their, cl- their service cloud, which is used for c- handling customer service, was up 1.4 million, up to 1.4 billion, sorry, up 21%. Uh, their Salesforce platform, which includes Tableau, 
you remember Tableau, uh, the visualization software, that was up 1.6, up to 1.6 billion, up 24%. So like all good, uh, their stock price had been up about $100 since the start of the year, like $100. Are they then the biggest cloud company, oh, cra- cloud crazy. software company? Well, well, they were, and they were certainly tracking tracking that way. Yeah. Um, they'd also jo- joined the Dow Jones Industrial Average okay. during the quarter. All so right. uh, some interesting names actually dropped out of the Dow Jones, the DJIA, yeah, it's yeah. Easy, easy for me to say. Yeah. Uh, Exxon, Pfizer, who have just created a new vaccine. Maybe they'll rejoin the day the Dow yeah. Jones pretty soon. And Raytheon, uh, who we know. The defense we know company, well. yeah. Yeah, defense company, yeah. But... Wow. So the big big news, what is it? Yeah, but we the, all know that. But look, on the back of all of that, the, it was kind of overshadowed the results by the fact that they, they, they announced that they were buying Slack. How much? How much for a whopping $27.7 billion, which is one of the biggest software transactions in history. I mean, we talked about the IBM acquisition of Red Hat yeah. uh, just tipping you know, thirty billion. They've had previous, you know, decent sized acquisitions. They bought Tableau, which I just mentioned. That's incredible. M- mentioned Slack, earlier. Yeah. They bought Tableau for sixteen billion. I'd previously bought MuleSoft for six and a half billion or something like yeah. that. Um, I've used Slack, and I can't believe I, it's that worth that yeah. much money. <laughs> yeah, because I, I've used Slack too in a, in a previous life, and it was for you know internal messaging and sharing, and and you know you'd set up little groups and you'd set up private groups and public groups, but you couldn't actually talk to other companies. Yeah. You wouldn't use it to set up a Teams call with. A maybe, client. Maybe you can now. Um, but maybe, yeah. or maybe that's where they go. I mean, they, they don't yeah, have a solution. It's mostly for like, development companies. Yeah, but I mean, they, don't, they don't have a solution like, um, like Teams. Like teams. Like, yeah, no, so, so this so is they, it. This yeah. is it. They're, they're going yeah. after them. But yeah. on the back of the news, their stock price tanked by, 40, by $45. <laughs> what? Yeah. They lost, they've lost seven, 18.7 oh, bi- Sorry, 18.7 billion was, was wiped off their share price, yes, share price yesterday. What? <laughs> what? Why don't the market like it? Because they think they may have overpaid, you know. Slack is a company that's been, you know, it's losing money. Um, it's punishment. For obviously, you. they're in a very aggressive, you know, market. They're going to go up against. It's a big market, okay. It's a twenty-five billion dollar market for 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 Microsoft. It's it's a three hundred and thirty billion dollar market probably overall. Yeah. Um, I think there's kind of talk about the fact that they, you know, overpaid for it. Yeah. Pay, paying twenty seven point seven billion, maybe overpaid by about three billion for it. Um, but also maybe it's to do with the fact that Mark Benioff said it was a bad time to buy companies la- only last quarter. He said he actually said, I'm gonna read it so that I get this right. He said he said he it's unlikely you will see us do a large MA in this environment. That's what he said last quarter. Um and now he's saying, which is quite funny, this is a match made in heaven. <laughs> Uh, together, Salesforce and Slack will shape the future of enterprise software. So I think maybe, you know, it's a bit flip-floppy. Last quarter, he was saying the environment wasn't right for acquisitions, and now he's saying it's the best thing. Oh, he's like a politician. Best, best he's like a politician. Slides, slides, right? I, but what's yeah. happened to, like, let's say the big the big guys independent, who's that, Zoom? What are they? What they, they uh, and, and others who yeah. are not owned by somebody yet? Yeah. So, are they going up? So Zoom results came out as well, actually. So they're also end of October. Um, like, I know the results went down the day the actual vaccine was announced yes, there yeah. a few well the big back. thing is about the vaccine right? yeah. so what happens to these you know work from home stocks because of the vaccine if yeah. you go back to some kind of new normal I mean we, we have we have a decent sized office and as you know it's kind of partially full but people want to come back to work eventually yeah. you do and you know we, we, we hope that they do uh, but their stock was down 30% I mean their their numbers are, are also mind numbing um, to the extreme so they're up uh, 30, 368% year on year uh, with revenues and of, of even even after the reduction when Pfizer came back, 
Yeah, like they're they're to finish the quarter seven hundred seventy-seven million dollars. Same quarter last year, one hundred sixty-six million dollars. Like that's cra- you know, it's crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, net income of nearly two hundred million. Can you but, find their sales guys? <laughs> I don't know how they sell. I must look at their sales model. Um, but they're only guiding. When I say only guiding, they're only guiding eight hundred six million for, for for Q four. But the talk is basically that you know they're overpriced. They're trading about fifty times revenue. Which is kind of, albeit the revenue is up four hundred percent year on year, um, but the stock price is taking a little bit of a hit. I think people are thinking they're overpriced. Um, if you compare them to something like DocuSign, they're they're a thirty thirty x revenue. Thirty x revenue. Whereas whereas Slack is fifty x. You know, say, so it doesn't feel. I say Walmart. Walmart you know, would like a like a valuation like that, right? Thirty x revenue. Yeah, <laughs> different different business, but uh, but yeah. the S and P itself is only is only trading at you know up one and a half percent since the start of the year. So it does yeah. look like does look like they're over overpriced. Yeah. And there's really stiff competition from Microsoft, from Google, from Facebook, and now from uh, Salesforce. So, um, and we'll we will we all be using these stay at home products to the that we are now wow. in let's say 12 months time or 18 months time I mean yeah. you got to factor in the future so I'm not so sure but uh, but still some crazy numbers out there for Zoom on the Q3 results yeah. uh, we know we know we know numbers for Oracle this this quarter so there's nothing there no uh, just uh, December we'll have the next uh, right. so so results this this month and yeah. we'll probably talk about those in January when we come so back we know, we know Oracle stories do well, we there's a couple of Oracle stories oh, do yeah. we okay yeah so there was nothing particularly uh, salacious on the rumor front uh, with with Larry, but I, I found a nice little story um, online about um, uh, this banking software company FNI. I'm not sure if you know about them, but um, but it's something that will be close to our heart. They dodged they dodged a licensing bullet of about two million dollars uh, by moving to the cloud and shifting away from on-prem uh, Oracle database. So what they had previously done is they'd moved away from from Oracle to to MariaDB. Um, and now they've gone to MariaDB's database as a service. It's kind of based on, on SQL in the cloud. But the big thing is that they what they saw is unreasonable licensing requirements from Oracle. Um, surprise, surprise. And what is that down to? That's down to the fact that as they upgraded their environment and uh, uh, and rebuilt their infrastructure and they were, they were running their software on more powerful cores, even though they were only using part of the available capacity of the server infrastructure, mm. which they need, only needed to use part of it, they're being charged for the full capa- full potential capacity of the core. So it was getting up to something like $47,000. It's all the same per, tricks. Per core. It's all the same tricks. I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable that these guys are doing this. I mean, more and more action needs to happen mm. against mm. these guys. I mean, I'm delighted that these guys, have done, that FNI have done something like that. Um, yeah. we are, we're, we're obviously seeing a lot of that stuff here, here in Europe obviously the likes of Google are getting targeted you know, you've heard about the the um, the antitrust case there's a coalition mm-hmm. of 135 companies who got together here in Europe mostly European mm-hmm. there's a couple of non-European companies in there who've been hammered uh, by Google uh, competitively so they're mm-hmm. they're actually taking they're, they're, they're looking they're urging the European Commission to take an antitrust case against mm-hmm. Google. Mm. You've got people like Booking.com, Expedia. So these guys in the travel industry, Kayak. You've got like see Yelp, uh, TripAdvisor. Um, you know they're claiming that Google is in violation of um, competition directives around their shop mm. with their shopping piece. Mm. Um, now Go- the Commission actually did put a give a, f- a fine already to Google, which was two point four two billion euros. Mm. So it's like whatever, nearly two point eight billion. 
Actually, it's a good question. I don't know, but I suspect not. They never, they never pay these things. <laughs> they fight them in court. They fight them. I mean, yeah, yeah maybe. You know, actually, yeah. it's funny. You never. It's a bit like the drugs money. You wonder what happens to it. <laughs> you know, the drug cash. You yeah. see all this cash on the table. I think it goes into escrow, and then they fight it for the next twenty years. You yeah. know, so we should give it back to people. Yeah, well, we could ask Pam in a few minutes. Yeah, where yeah, does this exactly. money go? Where does this money go? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's a very interesting one, and yeah. I think it's something maybe I was. I, I, I liked your unreasonable licensing requirements from Oracle thing piece there. Yeah. That's a nice ago. touch, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah. There's, there's there's other guys doing some of that stuff as well, isn't that right? There's the um, I didn't know if you saw the story. Um, actually, SAP we have we have do we we don't have stories in SAP, but we do have one story in there's SAP. One, there's one story in SAP, SAP, which is which is well, they're being investigated for security potential securities fraud. That's um, the one, yeah. yeah. The Portney Law Firm, isn't Portney it? Law Firm, and and a cluster of other law firms as yeah. well seem to be on the back. But but again, this comes on the back of just referring back to. Episode 18, again, for a moment, they had the worst performance in a decade for SAP last quarter. So we'll see what happens in the next quarter. But they also had falling revenues. Their cloud was down. Their operating profit was down. But where the lawsuit seems to be targeting is the is the, the decrease in their software license revenue, which was down 23% year on year. And their market cap dropped by a whopping 50 bucks. So they went from uh, a market, sorry, 50 billion, sorry, the market valuation. So they went from 180 billion there or thereabouts to 129 billion Ooh. on the back of Q3. So that's 50 billion wiped off the share price. So the Portney Law uh, firm, um, I think they're lots LA based and some other companies are essentially. They're trying to pull uh, together. It's not actually. Yeah, it's like a, a class action. Yeah, they're trying to find people. Who, yeah. to, so they're, they're saying, they're putting their hand up saying, we're prepared to go for this. Yeah. You guys, you can who's sign out, up. Who's out there? Yeah. You know. And if you go to their website, you can kind of sign up yeah, to the yeah. class action. It's quite a, it's quite a, but it's basically saying that they, they gave false or misleading statements in relation to the company's declining licensing revenues, which, as I said, was down 23%, but it led to a drop of 50 billion in the stock price. So if you're an investor, you'd be pretty miffed that you didn't get a forewarning yeah. of this coming. The next day, I mean, if you look at, you know, it's interesting to look at some of the graphs, you know, when you look at this stuff. And we've seen some pension funds do this as well, go after mm. them because they're misquoting yeah. their some of their license revenue. They're claiming it to be cloud, and there's all sorts. They of, give the wrong guidance. I mean, and, so, and, and, and it's next to impossible to find to find a culprit in this stuff, isn't it? Mm. Because nobody wants to, eventually the, all these big corporates. They don't really want to go through a whole rigmarole of going to court. Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't know what happens to these class action yeah, suits, but, but actually, it's a good question to ask our guest, and yeah. she's coming in here. So I will introduce Pam. Pam, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Lovely to have you. Pam, Pam I'll give a quick introduction to uh, for you that I have here. Um, you, uh, we've come across each other. We've, we've interacted online mostly, uh, exclusively today. But my, I love your background. You're specialized in intellectual property, as I mentioned. I see you've copyright, trademark, patent infringement and trade secrets. I love trade secrets. Uh, and you've been, you know, you've got involved in lots of commercial litigation. Um, you're familiar with Oracle. You're familiar with, you're even technical virtualization, fair play. I mean, that's, uh, so you'll understand the, the ins and outs of that, which is tricky. And I know you've got a background in in some of the bigger for, firms in the US, Jones Day, DLA, Piper and Denton. So we are delighted to have you as our guest here. Um, Tell us, I, one of the things there, stories that Brendan raised uh, a moment ago was the, and I'm going to go to it straight away, was the FNI um, uh, deal where they claimed against Oracle unreasonable licensing requirements from Oracle. Now, I know we won't, I mean, I want to pick on a particular company, but we see this all the time, Pam. 
Is this is this normal in other industries? Do you think, or is it just the sort of thing that we we come to expect in the software world and particularly the mega vendor software world? What's your view on that? I I think that it is particularly bad in in the enterprise software world, and um, I think that there are companies out there that haven't been as aggressive as the oracles and the quests and the microfocuses. And they're actually starting to rethink their strategy and they may become more aggressive. But, you know, we are basically retained by companies all over the United States and, and even in Canada and, and Europe and the Middle East. And they've been, they've gone through these audits and um, have been presented with a shock number. And that shock number is used as leverage to try to get them to do a software purchase. And the shock number has no basis in reality. And um, it's it's surprising to me the number of companies that will actually, um, you know, decide not to uh, retain legal counsel or technical experts to help them, but they try to go it on their own, and then they end up paying literally millions upon millions of dollars that they don't owe. And had they just pushed back a little bit, they would have been able to avoid paying. And that shock number, I mean. It sounds like it's just, I mean, and, you, and if you link, if you look at the story around the, the, the Portney Law um, class action attempt and, and where that may go, we, we may wait and see. But um, but the claims around false, issuing false or misleading statements or failure to disclose information. Um, we've seen previous cases where uh, um, that have come in the news around um, pension funds. I think I mentioned earlier to Brendan uh, as you were joining us. Um, that have taken action because of misleading uh, um, uh, reporting, and now you're talking about shock numbers that have no basis. And and then if you add to that, the potential that other software firms see this as a route, it's almost like uh, it's verging on criminality, is it not? It it really is, and uh, you know it's the the extent of the overreach is just shocking. I mean, you were talking about this Portnoy law firm looking to maybe file a class action against SAP, and they're they're looking for potential plaintiffs, investors who feel they may have been defrauded. But there's actually been that pension fund litigation, that's the Sunrise Firefighters litigation, pending out here in California against Oracle. And uh, there's been multiple motions to dismiss. And it may be, because I listened in on the hearing, that that lawsuit, which alleges that um, that Oracle basically inflated its cloud sales um, by using oppressive audits to shake down customers. Um, it's called the uh, audit bargain close tactic so that they go in with these shock numbers. They basically say you can get out from under this for this, you know, this $20 million payment. You can get out from under that, pay us a cool $5 million. And by the way, Part of that, you need to buy our cloud. And according to the complaint, and you know what I've heard from uh, or read, and and you know know from from um, from folks, um, uh, people didn't even want that cloud, um, and uh, they never even used that cloud. And the cloud literally, you know, the uh, cloud credits just stayed on the shelves, but it was still part of what they had to pay to get out from under the audit. And so that's what that 
litigation in Northern uh, California is about. But, you know, unfortunately, there are very technical legal requirements that a plaintiff's firm must meet in order to successfully maintain a case like that. And it looks like the judge may not think uh, that uh, the plaintiffs in that case tied the false statements, um, the alleged false statements to some of the key players like they would need to. Okay. And so could possibly, they could lose that suit. Okay. Okay. I mean, I'm fascinated with the use of the term an audit bargain close tactic. It sounds like it's a, it's a sales. <laughs> do they get sales training on this or... Where, actually, do you mind me asking, where, where did you come across? I haven't heard that phrase before, but it's a fascinating phrase and quite scary at the same time. I'll send you guys the lawsuit when, when we're done with this. But it's it's a, I think it's a hundred and something page complaint, um, class action complaint for securities fraud uh, brought against Oracle, Larry Ellison, you know, other high ups in the management of Oracle. And uh it, it discusses, they basically have found former Oracle uh, employees who know firsthand about these audit bargain close tactics and have written about it in, in this complaint and are com- prepared to testify that you know, audits were triggered against customers uh, when customers you know, say they don't want to buy more software or maybe they're going to cancel maintenance. And according to the complaint, Oracle goes in, you know, does this audit, comes up with the shock number, and then basically uses that shock number to try to, as leverage, to try to get the best possible uh, cloud purchase that they could. And it sets it all out in great detail. It's very, very interesting reading. I had a, we had a number of employees here. I don't know what you know, Oracle run their, um, one of their European um, sales outfits from Dublin um, in Ireland. Where we are, and no, oh God, I'm talking maybe 12 years ago, a number of our kind of inside sales representatives were hired by Oracle. Um, and this, I'm going back, what it be 2020, and probably, and probably 15 years ago. So this is 15 or more years ago, 2005, maybe 2006. And I remember chatting, to, meeting two of them over over Christmas. Actually, bumped into them. I said, "Hi, how are you getting on with your new job? What are you What are you doing?" And they said to me that they were. I said, what are you selling for Oracle? They were selling what they called compliance solutions. And I said, oh, right, that's very interesting. What what do Oracle have in the... I thought it was something to do with, I think, around the time Sarbanes-Oxley or maybe some things like that were coming out. Um, I thought it might have been something to do with that, a, compl- a piece of software for, to help people with compliance. And they said, no. They said, what they were doing, and this was anecdotally, but this is what they were telling me their job was, was to find people that they felt and had they had a way of finding out who might not be in compliance um, with the, with the number of licenses that they should have, um, and they had certain tactics that they used to actually identify those companies. And there were certain triggers like um, data center move, or you know, at that mm-hmm. stage, virtualization was 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 relatively new. Um, they, those sort of tra- tactics, but they they looked to identify. And they had ways of finding out where people were doing that. The minute they knew, they'd wait and then they'd hit them. Um, right. You know, knowing that, I mean, it's an awful way, no, knowing that the customer did not know because licensing, as you know, is, is very complex. Um, right. Very, um, very. And, 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 you know, unfortunately, what we see is that 
companies, you know, Oracle and, and others, I mean, Oracle's not the only offender. There, there are many yeah. others. Yeah, for sure. We're picking, we're picking on Oracle here, but there's, but there's others. Yeah. As you say. Others. And, and, you know, what they do is they go in, they, they take out to lunch, some of the folks that work in the IT department and, you know, they give them free meals and, and it's all um, to extract information so that they can figure out, you know, if there's been changes uh, that could end up in a big payday for, you know, the software vendor. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that folks should do is is companies might want to control that access uh, and have a policy in place that people shouldn't be just telling Oracle or SAP or these other vendors a lot of confidential information about your company because it's going to be used against you down the road. Yeah, yeah. No, we've, we we always tell people be careful what you say, and and um, it's in the world of IBM as well. We often say to people, "Have you got IBM staff on the ground? Be careful what you tell them, because you need to be, you need to understand your true position before you start opening up the the, the situation to them." And mm-hmm. um, it is interesting, though, from a legal perspective, Pam. I get to get your view on this. We don't see. We wouldn't have seen this uh, activity, the, this sort of amount of legal activity historically in this place. It, I mean, I'm sure this, these uh, issues were there. Go back to even 2005, 2006. You would not have seen uh, these things going to court or going to class action. It is, it is much more, it seems much more that the, the end users, the customers of these customers, companies are actually much more prepared to take to defend themselves on these topics now, aren't they? And why is that, do you think? Well, that that's right. And because, you know, the amount of money at stake is so high. Um, there's this case pending now um, in the Midwest here in the United States where uh, a Fairview, which is like a hospital type system, um, decided to go off uh, Quest software. And um, they, they sent them a notice that they were going to be canceling maintenance and support. I think in December of 2019, they sent that notice and instantly then got an audit notice. And basically, the, after the audit, uh, Quest came up with some huge compliance gap to try to you know, keep them basically uh, continuing to pay the maintenance and support and staying with them under threat of a huge licensing penalty. And um, uh, Fairview decided, you know what, we're not going to take this. And they they took them to court for a declaratory judgment action, which is now pending. And they said, basically, uh, and this is very interesting because I think that, you know, Oracle and others are guilty of this, that they, they brought in, you know, software, which they used in the audit, it actually was not looking to see where the software was actually being used, which is what causes the licensing fee to be incurred, but trying to figure out the entire system so they could tr- charge a licensing fee, even on servers where the software wasn't being used. And you're probably familiar that this is exactly the VMware virtualization argument that Oracle tries to use, even though in our view, the contract, the installed and or running language of the contract is what governs and not, you know, so they have to focus on where the software is being used, not where it could be used in the future. But these software companies are trying to get a licensing fee for basically non-use of their software. And again, the stakes are so high, the money, there's so much money. And and finally, companies are saying, we're not going to do this and we're going to fight back. And 
that'll make them, you know, less of a target, I think, in the future. And I'd like to see more of it, um, not less, because these software vendors have got to be held to account for this literally global activity that they're doing all around the world, where they're just ripping companies off, in my view. And, you know, that that lawsuit that uh, is pending here in the Northern District, it's just a textbook example of what we're seeing. And, um, you know, I think you're going to see more and more companies pushing back. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah, great. And, and Pam, you know, one of the stories that, you know, I've obviously read with, with uh, a lot of interest, read it a few times, is the, you know, the IBM, you know, IRS, you know, story. That sounds like a classic audit bargain close story to me, if ever there was one. Yeah, I mean, that is such an ugly um, situation. And I yeah. actually have a blog post on that. Yeah. Um, really kind of sets out in detail what happened. But but that one was actually a whistleblower um, yeah. that filed a lawsuit in D.C. He worked for IBM. He was on the audit team. Mm. And I guess the overreaches against the Internal Revenue Service were so bad that he just couldn't stomach them and he blew the whistle. And the facts of that complaint are really, really egregious where um, IBM knew the the Internal Revenue Service made the mistake of telling them that they were thinking about going off and, you know, the IBM software. IBM decided to do an audit. They basically said, we just want to help you deploy, you know, more economically. And, and in reality, <laughs> it wasn't about helping them. It was about getting together a new software purchase. So the IBM employee blew the whistle, filed this lawsuit, and uh, according to the allegations of the suit, um, IBM basically really was only owed about 500000 but they ended up concocting this entire scheme where they got millions upon millions of dollars from the IRS when the IRS didn't even really owe it. And it was a staggering amount of money. I mean, the- staggering. And, and as an American taxpayer and a citizen, <laughs> I mean, it is just outrageous. And uh, but they ended up losing that because the court, the court looked at it and said that he couldn't believe that the IRS would really pay that amount of money if they didn't owe it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It was so unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I see it all the time in these audits where you know, people will try to go it alone and, and they'll pay, you know, maybe it's not 150 million, but maybe they pay 3 million when they don't owe, you know, anything, but maybe 400 grand, you know, so people will pay. Um, and, you know, there are all kinds of reasons why um, people uh, might not want to litigate. And that's clearly what happened here. So, you know, I'm really hoping there was the oral argument in that case uh, last month, or actually in October, it's now been it's pending, um, and the judges will be deciding. And I just really hope that Mr. Semino gets his day in court. Yeah, but all you'd need in that case is, you know, even if you didn't bring in the lawyers, if you had a, a good audit defense company, they'd be able to look at the reports and and see that the numbers are fabricated. It, it just yeah, it's hard to believe they got away with it, to be mm. honest. But too many companies, in our experience, they don't bring the right expertise in. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, it is hard to find the expertise. You're, you're, a skill that you have, Pam, is, is not 10 a penny out there. It's, it's tricky to find, 
you know, you'll find lawyers who maybe understand things, but but it's you need experience to know what the, are the tricks that these guys try. Yeah, I, I mean, so many, and that's why we know what the playbook is, and that's that's the expertise that we can bring, you know, to bear. And um, you know, it's just this just exacts a real human toll. Um, like I said, these are companies literally all over the United States and and even further. Uh, and these are these are uh, when they they retain me and I get in there, you know, say the first time the audits actually happen. These people are just shell shocked by what they went through. I, I feel like I spend my first you know hour on the phone with them just kind of being a counselor because they've been through such a bad experience. And it takes a human toll. Because when the head of IT, you know, when they are presented with a $20 million compliance gap bill, you know, they lose their job. And uh, and so it's upsetting. And these companies that are really, they're doing a disservice to the people that, you know, are out there working and just trying to make a living and, and trying to be honest, you know, for the most part, people aren't intentionally using this software and, you know, and trying to commit a copyright infringement. So it's really interesting. And I'm just, uh, there is a human element and I'm glad that we're able to, to save people some money. And also, you know, oftentimes show that they really didn't mess up. Like, you know, the software vendor would like the management of that company to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And people's jobs are on the, on the, potentially on the line here as well. When you think about it, I, I and I genuinely hope it embold these sort of stories and these sort of successes really embolden others to come out because that's that's what that's what the industry needs. The industry needs, like you mentioned at the beginning, other companies, other software firms looking to looking at the the, the tactics that that the likes of Oracle and we mentioned IBM's there and and Quest and others who have who have got, done the same thing. They think this is yeah. a route to make money, um, right. and we need what needs to happen is. The end. The customers need to demonstrate, with the help of the legislators. To be honest with you, there is a lot. There is help, and you were starting to see that as well with, with some of the some of the other cases that are going on. I mean, there are other cases. I mean, I wonder, are are there cases out there that you think um, could have a real change um, to some of these big tech companies? Are there? You know, are there other ones out there that 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 you that spring to mind in your in your view, other than the ones we've mentioned? Right. Well, you know, obviously Oracle versus Google. I think that's the the big giant case, and you know that has now um, been argued before the Supreme Court. Um, from what I've read uh, and have been able to tell, there seemed to be a lot of sympathy for Oracle's position, <laughs> and um, if if Oracle wins that, you know, because that's been up and down and, you know, tried. And the jury that tried it here in the Northern District of California found that Google had used the APIs and that it was a fair use, that it wasn't a copyright infringement. And, but the federal circuit overturned that. And so now we're up at the Supreme Court and, you know, I think that if Oracle wins, boy, look out because, um, you know, the Java audits have not started yet, but they will in earnest. And people need to be protecting themselves now um, because it is a possibility, I think, that they, they Oracle could win that that lawsuit. Why, that's going to be scary. 
That's going to be scary for a lot of people. So I think we might end up seeing something different happen in the back of that regard. I mean, I mean, my experience of, I think when you look at David versus Goliath battles, oftentimes there's a, you know, if David wins, it's kind of like, well done. But when two Goliaths like Google and Oracle go to battle, there's a lot of collateral damage regardless of who wins. So uh, I think I would be hopeful that actually even though there's a potential downside, as you describe with Java audits, I actually think what we'll end up seeing is is potentially benefits um, and in the longer term. Um, I am conscious of of our of your time, Pam, and, and the show's coming to a close. I, I'd love to ask you your your a final question. You're you're obviously in this space a long time. Um, you're, I've I've read a lot of your blogs and your and your writings on on these topics, and I and I love it. And I encourage everyone to to listen. Is there anything particular you're working on at the moment that you'd like to tell our our listeners? You know, no. It's just um, I handle multiple audits at the same time, so I've just got you know I don't know. I'm probably handling ten, fifteen audits right now, and I would just say if you're a company and you're audited by one of these software publishers, don't try to go it on your own. Um, hire people that know what they're they're doing so they can help you to position you to come out of the audit without spending a ton of money. And, and even better, you know, hire people before you get the audit notice. Um, that wouldn't be me, but technical consultants that can come in and look at your environment and, and clean you up so that... Um, that you can't be exploited. Um, yep. But but at some point, you know, you got to prepare. And I would say you got to fight back because if you don't, then you're just going to be easy pickings and they're going to be right back knocking at your door a couple of years down the road. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I think it's always prevention is better than cure, isn't it? Uh, so we'll look, look forward to seeing that. Listen, Pam, fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll, we, will, we will stay in touch. Brendan, we're... At the end of our show again. Yeah, another one. Another one. That was really good. I really enjoyed that, Pam. Thank you. Uh, yeah, do we have another one gone? But we're going to have a little Christmas special, just you and I. Right. No guests. <laughs> we'll have a little ding-dong, go through the stories of the year. Might a, even, a roundup. We might even bring a little Christmas jumper or two into the office and see how we get on. But Or a little dram. Yes, it'll, it'll be episode 20. We'll probably right. bring it out in a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, very good. So, until then, thank you, Brendan. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah. And thanks to Pam as well. Again, and Pam. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Take yeah, care. See you next time.